Hello, my name is Tim Schwartz and welcome to the Life After Blindness podcast. My guests this week are Derek Daniel from Life After Sight Loss and Michael Hinkson from IRA. This is episode number 16 and your Life After Blindness journey continues right now. Hello once again and welcome to Life After Blindness. This is the podcast where we are dedicated to the exploration of an enabled life with blindness. I'm your host, Tim Schwartz, and as always, I'm so appreciative that you've taken the time to find this podcast and listen to it. So thank you very, very much for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. As always, you can get information about this episode and all the links that we might talk about here by visiting the show notes. Those show notes can be found by going to lifeafterblindness.com slash 16. That's lifeafterblindness.com slash 16 for this particular episode episode. We have so much to talk about this week. I've got Derek Daniel here from lifeaftersightloss.com. He's going to help me out with the news. We're going to talk about Apple rumors. We're going to talk about a great sports story from University of Southern California and also talk about a new local musical that's being put on to help people be better educated about different types of disabilities. So be sure to listen to Derek and I talk about that coming up here in the news. After that, I'll be demonstrating the IRA app. Everybody's been hearing about this service. It's been so popular in the blind community. And I thought I'd just take some time to show you the actual app that you use once you sign up for the service. So that will be coming up after in the news. And then after that, I'll be talking with Michael Hinkson. Now, Michael Hinkson is now director of strategic sales for IRA. You might also know him as the man who wrote the best-selling book, Thunderdog, New York Times bestselling author of the book Thunderdog. And that book talks about his escape from the World Trade Center on 9-11 in 2001 here in the United States. So I encourage you to listen to his book. Also, this past week, I did a spotlight interview with him. So if you want to listen to that, you can go to lifeafterblindness.com slash Michael Hinkson, or just go to lifeafterblindness.com and you should find it a couple stories down there on the main page. Michael and I talk about his life growing up from childhood through college and through his sales career and then what brought him to the World Trade Center on that fateful day. And then we talk about his life since then and the things that he's been up to and how he got involved with IRA. But today on this episode, he is specifically talking IRA and giving you more information and details about IRA to help you better make a decision on whether you want to sign up for the service or not. And be sure to check out at the end of that interview, he will be giving you information about an upcoming conference call that IRA will be doing on Tuesday the 12th. Uh, the information will be uh, given to you there by Michael in the interview. So make sure you stay tuned for that information if you want to join that conference call to get more information from IRA directly. So like I said, we've got so much to get to. So why don't we go ahead and get right on into the news. As I noted at the beginning of the podcast, this week I'm joined by a very special guest to help me out with this week's news. He is a YouTuber, blogger, and podcaster coming to us from lifeaftersightloss.com. He is my good friend, Derek Daniel. Derek, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Always good to be with you, Tim. So Derek, as you know, this coming week is the big Apple event where they're going to announce the new set of iPhones and Macs and Apple Watch, Apple TV, and so much more. And so I thought we'd start the podcast off by just talking a little bit about uh, some of the Apple rumors that have been going around uh, lately. There's so many different things that people are talking about with the possibility of a special uh, new iPhone, whether it's called iPhone 8 Pro X for the 10th anniversary um, or as I might say, you know, maybe the Apple iPhone Pro 8X, who knows? Um, but it's just one of those the new things that uh, they're, they're talking about, all these different changes that might be made to it, in addition to having S models of the current iPhone 7. Uh, obviously, they'll be having other things as well. So they'll have new Macs, Apple TV, uh, new watch, new Apple Watch. So let's just take a few minutes here and talk about what we've heard. What are the things that have sparked your interest with the Apple rumors? Well, I do tend to get a little lost in rumors and so forth. Being an Apple person, 
I tend to, you know, get on YouTube and listen to podcasts and get a little lost in it. I try not to. I always tell myself at the beginning of the year, I'm like, I'm not going to do this because I want to be excited, you know, for the reveal. And then I always end up watching all these rumor videos. So, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so the, obviously the big thing, like you mentioned with the new iPhone, whatever it is, 8X, that sort of thing, they'll, oh, knowing the Apple, they'll probably change it. Like, we're not even going to call it the iPhone. We're going to call it the Apple phone. Or something. <laughs> right. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, you never know with Apple. Um, obviously, the big changes with that new iPhone, um, from one thing, it looks like they're going to take the home button away, which intrigues me because they changed the home button last year, which my wife has a 7, and it's it's interesting. I really like it. But what are they going to do with something like the triple tap uh for you know the accessibility feature uh things of that nature so i don't know that that looks intriguing um and the phone's supposed to have face id recognition instead of the touch id so i don't i don't know how that's going to work i know you had talked about it uh, on tech talk uh, the other podcast you're part of but it just sounds like they're trying to do a lot of stuff and it sounds like it could be amazing but i'm kind of wondering if from an accessibility standpoint, like I think Apple will do a good job and take into consideration the accessibility features, but it it just makes me wonder and, and want to get my hands on it, except for the fact that it's supposed to start at like a thousand dollars. So <laughs> um, I'm not sure about that. I, I doubt my wife will let me, you know, go for it right out the out of the gate. Um, but as far as the phone goes, you know, I, I'm interested to see it for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's not something that I'm probably going to be able to get my hands on right away, although I'm hopeful. We'll have to see what the difference in monthly cost is if it's not too much. Maybe I can uh, convince my wife to go for it. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I agree. I, I am I am nervous about the, the loss or the possibility of the loss of accessibility as far as the triple tap to bring up voiceover or you know, just some of the other functionality of it. But then again, as you mentioned, when I spoke with the guys on RNMB Tech Talk, we also were saying that we have faith in Apple when it comes to accessibility and hoping that they will not forget us when it comes to that. Now, I did see something recently that said something about potentially there being a home bar at the bottom of the screen that could be somehow brought up or, or lifted up. And, and so I don't know if that will replace the home button per se. It'll just be a, a bar that's on the screen you can you can bring up. But even that, I just don't understand how that would work, especially when the phone is locked. Uh, I, I just don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure, especially with the potential loss of Touch ID. I really like Touch ID. You mentioned the facial uh, identification that they might be doing with face recognition. And I like that. I don't have a problem with face recognition because that tells me one of a couple things. One, that's really great technology. And two, that means the camera is going to be really good because they're going to have to incorporate 3D uh, type scanning you know, uh, and imaging qualities to be able to do that, mm -hmm. to be able to recognize a face. And so that means big improvements to a camera. But then if that's the sole way of unlocking your phone or protecting your phone and they take away Touch ID, that makes me a little bit more nervous. The only other major thing that I think uh, with the iPhone Pro X8, whatever they're going to call it, is that it will be wireless charging, correct? Yeah, that's apparently the rumor at this point is supposed to have wireless charging. Now, some of them I've seen suggest that it won't have the exact same wireless charging as like the Samsung phones and things like that. Um, probably that means they're going to want to sell you a different base. Uh, for another forty dollars or something, uh, but it it should have wireless charging. It's long overdue, I think, for the iPhone uh, to have wireless charging at this point. I completely agree with that. Absolutely, they they're way overdue. But as Apple typically does, they try to swoop in and attempt to do it better. So maybe it'll be an improvement over what's already out there. We'll see. What about the other products, uh, Derek? We've got potentially a new Apple TV, although it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot that's going to change there, as well as a new Apple Watch. Yeah, I think with the Apple TV, it just sounds like they're going to do a 4K. They're going to offer that within the Apple TV, so it'll stream 4K. Though I don't know a huge amount of people that have a 4K TV at this point. I think it's no. it's on the way. Of, it's kind of like whenever you know 1080p TVs came out, and not a lot of people had it, and now it's pretty commonplace. And eventually 4K will be also. But I think that's the biggest shift with the Apple TV. I think they have something that works, and if it 
if it works, you know, don't try to break it and, and do something else. What's that old saying? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. I think that's probably I think that's Apple's sort of thing here with the Apple TV. And for me, I love the Apple TV. It you know works really well. It's not perfect by any means. Nothing's perfect, but uh, I don't think they'll change it uh, drastically. Um, you know, with this new update, I think the Siri remote is a good um, a good way. Uh, it, it's got good functionality on controlling the device. And so I, th I think they'll probably just slow increments with the Apple TV. I don't think it'll be anything major. Agreed. Now, what about the Apple Watch? Seems like they're going to implement LTE. It'll be interesting to see how far that will be able to go and if you'll need to have a different plan or how that'll work with your with your wireless company. And apparently they're going to also incorporate a, a SIM slot for adding memory to it. So what do you think about the rumor mill for the Apple Watch? It's interesting. I have an Apple Watch. I have the Series 1, and it works fine. I have no issues with it. It's a little bit slower, I think, than the Series 2, and probably the next one will be and things like that. It naturally get better. But I don't know if the LTE is going to be what everybody thinks it's going to be. I don't. It, it remains to be seen, you know, that you're going to have this next standalone LTE device. So you're going to have to add that to your plan, and then that's going to take, you know, data and all that sort of thing. So I'm not sure how that's all going to work out. From a hardware standpoint, I don't think they're going to change it drastically at this point. I think first they'll add the LTE and all that stuff into it. Then maybe they'll do a hard uh, refresh the next time. With Apple, they like to, you know, they don't like to do everything at once. They want to have, you know, this is the new feature. Don't look over here, but look at this new feature. So we'll see how the LTE really um, is really affected. Obviously, most people are going to go out and buy a new one anyway. But the only reason I think I would have the new one isn't so much for the LTE, but just the speed of the you know process of using the the watch itself. Mine's a little bit sluggish at times, so I think the quicker the the update with the processor and so forth will be a little bit faster. So that'll be really nice. So yeah, I mean, it's uh it's it's continuing to grow, and Apple Watch is the what is it the most bought smartwatch at this point? <laughs> I think they like to tout. So it's it's a great product, and it's only getting better. So as far as the rest of the lineup of Apple products goes then, Derek, anything else that jumps out at you with the new Macs or, or uh, MacBooks or anything like that? No, I think they did a lot of that at WWDC back in June. They talked about the new iMacs, the new uh, iMac Pro, which is like a beast and costs $5,000. So <laughs> I think it's the replacement for the trash can Mac Pro at this point. Um and I don't, I don't know if they'll reference the HomePod at all during this. They might just say like, hey, don't forget, it's coming out. When is it? December, I think is when it's supposed to come it out. It is. It'll be out in December, uh, right? Yeah. So I think they probably are really – this is like, at least for me, this is the iPhone's birthday kind of, you know – party like uh hey we're gonna watch hey we got this thing hit ipads you know things like that i don't you know obviously they talked about um the new 10.5 inch ipad pro in june so i think this is really going to be iphone centric especially if they have the 7s 7s plus and an 8x edition whatever else so it's going to be very iphone centric i feel like which is fine i'm i'm perfectly fine with that that's really sort of apple's bread and butter at this point is the iphone which also makes it kind of interesting that it's only been 10 years and i think that that is just like a whole nother topic you could have about how fast technology moves now versus you know 20 years ago and so i think it'll be a real big iphone centric party and then we'll get to see the watch and, uh, you know, maybe some other things as well. I think that's right. I think it is going to be kind of a party atmosphere, especially considering it's going to be in a new venue. The uh, Steve Jobs Hall, I think is what it's called, or the Steve Jobs uh, Theater, I believe is what mm -hmm. they named this. And so with the new venue, the special venue uh, being the first time and, and celebrating that 10 years of iPhone, like you said, I think it is probably going to be more of a party atmosphere and really showcasing what they've done in 10 years with the iPhone. I won't be shocked if maybe they start off with some sort of vignette that talks about uh, oh, yeah. the, the history of the phone and how they've you know come to, to now and in, in this place in history. I, I do want to say though that I think they might showcase the HomePod a little bit more than maybe what what you were saying before, just because of the fact that it does come out in December, and really the only time that anybody has really gotten to see it has been 
showcased or tested out on the floor at WWDC. So there's been very little actual, you know, contact with it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I don't know. I think it would be a good idea for them to at least spend a few minutes to showcase it a little bit more just to put it out there, unless they decide to do something between now and December separately to showcase it again or showcase it some more. I don't know. I, I, if I was them, I would take a few minutes at least just to show it off a little bit more because there was things about it that I found out recently that I don't even know, like it's going to have a screen on it when they had that leak about the, uh, you know, the programming in it and people were saying, well, it's set up for voiceover. So well, why does it have voiceover for the blind? What it's, it's a, you know, it's a speech device. Well, apparently it has a touchscreen on it and that touchscreen will work with voiceover, which is good news, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, that's not something that's widely known. So I don't know. I think it would be worth it to spend just a few minutes to reintroduce people to it, remind people, Hey, by the way, we have this home pod coming out. Here's what it's going to do. Here's why it's important. Buy it in December and then move on. I don't think they need to dwell on it, but I think they'll spend some time on it. Yeah, well, Apple wants to sell us stuff, so any chance they have to to remind us to buy something, I think they'll take it. Um, I think your point about having the screen and it working with VoiceOver and you know the touch bar on the Mac works with VoiceOver, I think that helps me, as you said, have faith that Apple won't forget the uh, you know accessibility options on the new iPhone. Uh, those kinds of things, it's like the little details help me to just keep the faith, if you will, that Apple won't forget about us. Because we, as a visually impaired community, so many people use the iPhone and have gotten so used to using it in a certain way, you know, with the home button and so forth, using it uh, to access the phone. And so I think, I at least hope and pray that they won't forget about us and, and those kinds of things with the screen on the HomePod and so forth help me keep the faith that they won't forget. Very well said. I agree completely. So everybody be looking for the Apple event coming up here on September 12th. That's Tuesday, September 12th. We'll be making all these announcements about all these different products that that, uh, Derek and I have talked about. So take a listen to see what they've got going on after the fact. Of course, we will have full coverage in an upcoming episode of Life After Blindness. So stay tuned to the website, stay subscribed to the podcast, and uh, we will talk about it definitely after the fact and let you know all the things that have gone on with Apple uh, if you've missed it at all. So uh, stay tuned for that. Next, we take a step away from technology and move into a sports story that Derek and I both found inspirational. This is a really interesting story, Derek, where a young man attending the University of Southern California is actually the uh, placeholder for the kicker. So recently they had a game and this young man got to have a really cool experience. You want to talk to talk to the listeners about what happened with uh, this young Jake Olson for USC? Yeah, so I guess this young man has been blind his entire life. I guess he lost one eye when he was just a few months old uh, to cancer, and then later on he lost the other eye to cancer as well. So um, totally blind, but has always just loved football and really just really gotten into that. And so on the final extra point of this game they brought him out onto the field i think he was holding the shoulder of one of the players they brought him out there and he was able to snap the ball i think um and to make this extra point and i think what happens in these kinds of stories is uh, a lot of times people are like oh that's so nice he's blind and they can help him but i think (laughs) it i think it allows us to remember that visual impairment can be a barrier to so many things but there are ways to be involved, whether it's football or any other such thing. And this kid really gave um, gave a lot of hope to people to say, hey, I can do this. Maybe I'm not doing exactly everything that you know everybody else is doing per se, but this is what I am doing. And I'm wearing a uniform and I'm, I'm helping to make this play. And I think that that in and of itself, that's a really cool story. I completely agree. That's the inspirational part of this story to me. It's not the fact that he can do it because I believe as you do, I know that as blind people, we set our minds to it. We teach ourselves. We can set our minds to do almost anything. And that's what this guy has done. This Jake Olson, he even said that this was muscle memory. This isn't, this isn't luck. This isn't, uh, you know, anything else. This is just true muscle memory, which that quote tells me this man has practiced. He has gone out there. He has snapped and snapped and snapped and they've kicked and kicked and kicked. And he has devoted time, energy, and effort into this. 
to do this well, to do it right, because he's right. This is something that's muscle memory. This isn't something that you just get out there and you just, you know, uh, throw it back to the kicker and away you go. You've got to get it just right and in the just the right spot or the kicker's not going to make that kick. And so to me, it's the idea that he's putting in the practice. He's persevering and saying, I don't care that I'm blind. I don't, I don't care what people think about me being blind. I'm going out there and I'm going to be a part of this sport. This is something I can do. You know, can I be a running back? Can I be a receiver? No, but I can snap the ball and I can snap it just as good as anybody else uh, because I can get that muscle memory down where I can get it to go to the same spot basically every time I snap it. And that to me, that perseverance and that drive by this young man is really what, what is inspirational to me about this story. Yeah, I think his quote was, this is muscle memory. It's not magic. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, and so I think that, well, like with any player in any position on any team, you would practice. You would practice. And if you could see, if you couldn't see whatever, you would make sure that what you were doing was effective and the best you could do it. So if you're kicking, throwing, um, running, whatever you're doing, you want to practice. And so that's what this kid shows us is that I'm not doing anything different than what the other teammates are doing. I'm going out here and I'm practicing. Yes, I have a visual impairment and that's part of my story, but I'm not going to go out here and be like, hey, I'm blind. Can I just throw the ball? It's like, no, he went out there and he actually practiced and muscle memory doesn't happen overnight. And so, you know, it takes some time. And so, yeah, that it's not that he can do it. It's that he really went for it and actually did it and didn't take it lightly. So it's that in and of itself. That's the great part of the story to me. So, Derek, as you know, my favorite times to have you come on the podcast is anytime we're going to talk anything Apple, Apple News, Apple Rumors, anything Apple is, is going to definitely be a time where I want to have you on. Anytime we talk about anything inspirational, anything that's just such a positive story or inspiring story, of course, I want to always try to include you if I can. And of course, something that you and I both have a, a very big interest and passion for is musicals. And so this last story we're going to talk about this week, I really found fascinating. It's a local theater project, it seems. We both have been trying to figure out where this is. And if anybody knows where this is, please send me an email, tim at lifeafterblindness.com, because we've looked all over playbill.com and Googled, and we, we can find general information about the theater, but we can't find where. So what this is, it's a musical production called Addie and Uno. And the main characters, the five main characters, I believe, all have disabilities, including blindness. So Derek, you know, as you know, uh, with me, I, I enjoy musicals. I've always loved them ever since I was a little kid. My parents took me to the theater, and I know uh, you've been involved in musical theater yourself. And so talk to me about this interesting musical that we found that, that talks about different disabilities. Yes, I love musical theater. It is like my home away from home. Um, sometimes it's like my home because I, <laughs> I want to be there so much. So uh, when when musical theater and any part of any other part of me meet up, it's always interesting. And so this musical is it's puppets. That's the first thing, which is really interesting. And all five of the characters have disabilities. I think one has ADHD, one has autism, one is visually impaired, one is deaf, and one is a paraplegic. And so they basically are working to help each other against, I think, bullying and things of that nature and just, you know, working through life in general. And so I think that that is such an interesting idea. It's one thing to say, like, let's throw in a disabled character you know, like here and there or whatever. But this is specifically about the way the different disabilities deal with things. And it is a children's musical. It's billed as a children's musical. But I think we can all learn from these musicals about different things. So I think it's a really neat idea. And I'm so glad that somebody said, you know what, let's let's green light this and let's go for it. Yeah, this is very Jim Henson, very Sesame Street to me. I know recently uh, here in the United States, Sesame Street actually added a puppet character, a Muppet character that has autism, who's on the spectrum. And so to have something like Sesame Street incorporating something like that is one thing, because you almost in a way expect that from Sesame Street, because that's what they do. They educate based on, on those kind of things and have characters and, and Muppets that can do that to help children be educated. But to go that step further with this, this production that's being put on this Addy and Uno, I, again, like you, if you can combine musical theater with puppets and a story that really helps not just educate, but to inspire and teach children and adults alike to say, hey, 
these disabilities don't define who people are. They might be part of who they are, but they don't define who they are. And here's a show that we're going to put on with music and, uh, you know, and a good story to explain these disabilities and how, like you said, just going through life with them. So I really like that combination. I, I really wish that there were more productions like this, more things out there like this. Uh, this could take us in a whole totally different other conversation that we can have at another time. But really that kind of education, in my opinion, should start early and often through school. And uh, and I, I think could really make a difference in, in all of our lives um, with this type of, you know, this type of production and education. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more because most of the time I have found the kids seem to get it a lot more. They do. They <laughs> than the, really do. Than the adults. Um, a lot of times I'll be somewhere and some uh, some kid will see my cane and they'll say something, you know, under the breath to their parents that I can hear. And they're like, what's that? What's a cane? What's that for? What's that thing you have? And the parents are like, be quiet. You know, <laughs> don't right. ask the questions. Uh, it's like, it's all right. And, you know, or anytime I go to my uh, ch children's school, I, I have a daughter in elementary school and I'll bring my cane and I'll have lunch with her. And the kids are always like, what's that? You know, they're just bold and they want to know. And, and I think it's fantastic because they put their filter down. They don't, they don't know what a filter is at this point. And they're just asking questions. And I said, oh, this is my cane and I can't see very well. And I'm able to explain it. And I think this musical is a great way to do it. It's incorporating probably, you know, uh, themes and music and, and lights and color and all this stuff just to teach a lesson that says, hey, disability is part of my story, but it's not my whole story. And I, I love, you know, like what you said, and, and I say all the time, this doesn't define me. And it doesn't define these characters. I'm sure that whatever they do, uh, obviously, this is kind of at the forefront right now, because it's about, you know, dealing with disability. But so often, I think we just forget that it's just part of our story. And I agree with you that if we could educate more from the beginning, from the get go, you know, with kids, as they grow up, they're going to start to see this and understand it even more so. So I definitely agree. Derek, before I let you go, you've been doing a lot of work with life after sight loss radio is the name of your podcast at lifeaftersightloss.com. So if you could, before I let you go, tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been working on, uh, what you've been doing and uh, what might be coming up uh, next on the, on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. So um, I've had some guests on in recent weeks. Um, I've had my wife come on. We've talked about, um, uh, sighted supporter stuff. I, that's the phrase I always use for uh, people that can see but maybe have a family member or something that is visually impaired. Uh, I had my friend Sam from YouTube. We talked about mobile apps. I had a lady come on who talked about her son losing his sight. So we try to get different perspectives on the podcast. Uh, obviously, it's a lot of me talking. Uh, so <laughs> anytime I get some different perspective, that's good. Uh, but yeah, coming up, you know, we're talking about how fear can affect us after sight loss. And we're talking about, um, you know, different things, how what the uh, next one that's coming up is titled uh, Why Losing Your Sight is Really the End of the World. It's a little bit clickbaity, obviously, because <laughs> we know it's not, we know it's not the end of the world. But I like to talk about how uh, certain things do end and there is a conclusion to certain parts. But that does not mean that it is an ending of your life. It is, uh, you know, a continuation of something new. So we talk about those things and uh, I always try to share uh, maybe a story if there's there and, and I try to answer questions on the podcast as well. So uh, that's just part of the content that I create over lifeaftersightloss.com. Of course, I have the YouTube channel and the blog that I write every week as well. Very good. I encourage everybody to definitely check that out uh, again at lifeaftersightloss.com. Derek, if anybody wants to get in touch with you directly, of course, I'm sure they can go to the website, but uh, any other way they can get in touch with you? Yeah, I always go to the website, and then my email address is Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. And they can, of course, uh, check out the Facebook page, Twitter, and uh, I'd love to hear from people anytime. Very good. Well, Derek, thank you so much again for coming back on Life After Blindness, and I look forward to having you back again very soon. Thanks for having me on, Tim. I look forward to it, as always. I'll be sharing with you my interview with Michael Hinkson from IRA in just a few minutes, but first I thought I'd take a moment to demonstrate the actual IRA app itself. It's fairly straightforward. There's really not too much to it, but there are some interesting features here that I thought I would just walk through and point out. So let's go ahead and launch. IRA. Double tap to open. Actions available. Selected. IRA. Searching for your, gl searching for your glass. Ellipse. Glasses signal strength is poor. 
Please try calling with your phone or moving to a different area. Okay, so as you heard, it is searching for the glass, and then when it did find it, found that the signal strength is poor. Now, part of the problem is with that is that my IR glasses are in another room charging. They're not in the same room as me, so that's probably why it's coming up, stating that the signal is poor. Let's go ahead and do a four-finger single tap at the top of the screen to get our focus at the top. Selected. Glass. Button. One of two. Now, what you hear here is glass one of two is selected. With the IRA app, if for some reason your glasses aren't working or you don't have them on you, you can, instead of using the glasses, can use... Phone button. Two of two. Use the phone. So you can use the camera within your phone to actually go ahead and contact an IRA agent if for some reason your glasses aren't available. So we'll keep the glasses selected. We'll keep flicking to the right. Glasses signal strength is poor. Please try calling with your phone or moving to a different area. And again, this is just that message saying that the signal strength is poor, but if I had my glasses here with me and I was in a good uh, area with my MiFi that they provide to you, uh, this would not say this. It would just say the glasses are connected. We're going to flick again to the right. Call era from glass button. And of course, as it states, this is the call button. So I would call Ira by using the glasses with this button. If I had selected the phone, then it would just say call Ira using phone. And I would be using the camera within the phone. We're going to flick right again. Selected. Home. Tab. One of five. And that's literally all there is to the home screen. Because as you can hear, I'm now in the bottom row of tabs. And home is the first tab. And uh, so that's everything that you would see on the very first screen. Now, I'm going to just review a couple of the next screens quickly and then get into some of the more important things with the last tabs. So we're going to flick to the right again. My glass. Tab. Two of five. Let's go ahead and double tap on this. Selected. My glass. Tab. Two of five. Take ourselves to the top with a four-finger single tap. My glass. Connected. Heading. Refresh. Button. Does say that it is connected. If I needed to refresh this for any reason, I can do that here. Glass info. Heading. Wi-Fi name. ATT. Glass battery. 99%. Now, what's nice is it gives you your MiFi information, which I just skipped right on past, but it does also give you here your glasses battery power, which right now is 99%, so it's almost fully charged. Estimated time. 158 minutes. And it also gives you the estimated time of usage for the glass, which I really like. So not only does it tell you the battery uh, amount of your glasses at this time, but it does tell you how many minutes you would be able to get out of your glass with that battery percentage. Version 0.0.56. Of course, the version. MIFI info. Heading. Your MIFI info. MIFI battery. Signal strength. MIFI battery. 64%. That's probably the most important thing is knowing your MiFi battery percentage because it does only last, I think, a couple of hours. And so as I'm charging that right now as well, it's at 64%. So that is something to know uh, that is here. That's good to know that is here because the MiFi itself, the screen is not accessible. So you do want to come in here to double check your MiFi battery. Signal strength. Excellent. Shut down, MiFi. Home. Tab. One of five. And that's all there is to the MiFi information, just giving you your battery and uh, what the signal strength is, and then if you need to shut it down or shut it off for some reason. So let's go ahead and keep flicking to the right to the next tab. Selected. My glass. Wi-Fi. Tab. Three of five. This Wi-Fi tab, I'm not going to worry about this too much because this just gives you information about your Wi-Fi and connection and things like that, so we'll skip that. Usage. Tab. Four of five. Let's go ahead into the usage tab. Selected. Usage. Tab. Four of five. As always, four fingers single tap to the top. Usage. Back button. Detail usage. Heading. On September 5th, 5.57 p.m. for 24 minutes with Agent Jack. As you see here, there's a lot of information that it provides to you. So I could double tap on this for more information, but it gives you the date, the time, the name of the agent, and how long you actually spoke with the agent. So on this date, I spoke to Agent Jack for 24 minutes. This is when I recently went to a ball game at Great American Ballpark to see the Cincinnati Reds. And I had the agent walk me through the gate all the way up to my seat. And, uh, and it took us that 24 minutes to do that. Um, if you want to get more information about that story, go to my Twitter page. Uh, you can find that by going to lifeafterblindness.com slash Twitter or just by looking up at Labcast on Twitter. And you can hear an audio recording that I did on Varail about my first impressions using the glass on that day. But suffice to say, uh, Jake got me to my seats just fine, safe and sound. And uh, it tells you about that right here. Now, if I double tap. 
On September 5th, 5.57, feedback, done, button, feedback, heading, submit, dimmed, button. You have rated this call. So it tells me what I rated this call at the time, which I did rate it. Selected, good, button, one of two. And there are only the two choices. I wish there were more, but for now they have good and... Poor, button, two of two. And I didn't rate it poor because J Jake did get me where I needed to go. Comment multi-line text field. And if I wanted to add comments, I could do that here. So you get on the first screen, the date, the amount of time it took for that call, the agent that you spoke with, all that information. And then if you want to double check what your review was or any comments that you wanted to provide, that is in here by double tapping on that particular detail. So let's go ahead and uh, go to the back button at the top. Page one of one, center of screen, page one of one, done, button. Actually, it's a done button. I apologize. Let's double tap. Done. Detail usage. On September 5th, 5.57 p.m., for 24 minutes, with Agent Jack. Double so, tap to open feedback. So it just drops me right back to that uh, first one in the list. Let's go to the bottom of the screen and see what other tabs we have. Selected. Usage. Tab. Four of five. More. Tab. Five of five. And let's double tap on the more tab, the last tab in the list. Selected. More. Tab. Five of five. Four finger, four finger single tap to the top. More. Heading. Account. Heading. Profile. Tim. Button. Now, if I were to go in here, this is where all my profile information is stored. So uh, credit information, email, all those kind of things. It's pretty self-explanatory. Not going to worry about going there. Let's flick right again. Referral. Button. They have a referral program. So if you want to refer a friend or somebody that you know to Ira, you can go in here and uh, set that up to send a referral to somebody so you can get some free time as well as your friend receive some free time from Ira. Let's flick right again. Minutes sharing button. This is where you can actually have more than one person on an account and set that up to where you share minutes. So if you have uh, a reason where you would not use all the minutes, but you have a friend that might use the other half or, or split somehow, you can set that up to share with other people one account to share those minutes. Flick right again. Inbox heading. Now, this is the important part in here that I really wanted to show you is the inbox because the day that I went to the ballpark with Agent Jack helping me, once I got to my seats and I uh, was settled in and, and rested and ready to go, before Jack, or before, I'm sorry, before Jake let me go, he actually had me hold still with the glasses and he got a great picture of the, uh, of the field and the outfield from my seats. And so this is the inbox where these things would come to. So they can send you photos or videos that they have actually taken for you and then send them to you here. And this is the inbox you'd find them. So if I flick right. Photos button. There's where I would find any photos that an agent has sent to me. Let's flick right again. Link account heading. Now linked account for right now, this is actually where you will be able to link your Uber or other accounts with your IRA account. So for right now, they only do have Uber. Uber, so you could actually log into your Uber account from here. Uber sign in button. Which I actually have not done. So if you wanted to log into Uber and then have an IRA agent actually contact Uber for you and then wait with you while your Uber vehicle is coming, that's something that can be done here. After that, you just have support heading. Call IRA support. You have an actual link to call the IRA support. Help center button. And information about their help center. About heading. And then the usual about information. Terms of service button. Privacy policy button. Version 1.13.7. Logout. Copyright sign 2017 Aerotech Corporation. Version home tab 1 of 5. And we're back at the home tab. So as you can see, the app is pretty self-explanatory. There's not really a lot to it. However, the things that it does have are very important to your everyday use of Ira. So overall, obviously, the app is very accessible. Ira has done a great job in making it accessible, making it very easy to use. Again, it's very self-explanatory. It's laid out very nicely. I can't wait to see how they integrate other apps, not just Uber. Maybe if they can add Lyft or other services in here so that you can contact an agent to help you get in touch with those services. That would be very helpful. I do know that they also will be incorporating KNFB Reader into the app over time as well and other apps that will be helpful to us. So these are all things that uh, over time, the Ira app will be a nice one-stop shop for those kinds of things along with contacting your agent. I hope you've enjoyed my review of the IRA app. Next up, I'll be talking with Michael Hinkson from IRA to get more details about the service itself.
As I mentioned earlier on in the episode, today we're talking about Ira, and we're going to dive even deeper into Ira today with my special guest, who is the Director of Strategic Sales for Ira, Michael Hinkson. Michael, thank you so much for being on the Life After Blindness podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Michael, I know that you weren't always in charge of strategic sales there. What what originally brought you to Ira? Well, actually, back in 2015, I received an email from a gentleman named Larry Bach, who was one of the co-founders and kind of the financial impetus behind Ira. He told me about the service and asked if I might be interested in joining the Technical Advisory Council. And I said, well, I need to learn more about the product. Uh, and um, you say a lot of interesting things, but gee, a lot of people say a lot of things about products, so you're going to have to give me more information. Well, he did. Then he and Suman Kandagande, the other founder of Ira, came to visit me uh, at my home, and they brought, of course, Ira glasses. We tried them out, and lo and behold, it did the things that they said that it would do. Um, And so I said I was interested, but I was concerned that a lot of people might find that IRA was kind of helping to thwart or reduce their dependence on their own skills. And I was concerned that agents might enhance that by providing more than information and actually providing help. That is to say, telling people how to do things rather than just giving us the information so that we could make the decisions as to what we wanted to do. And they made it very clear that they were concerned that IRA be an information source, or as they describe it, a visual interpreter, which I think is a very apt description. Um, And so I was urged to help with developing the philosophical training parts of, of IRA and making sure that the agents were trained properly and trained in a little bit about the philosophy of, of blindness and so on. So I joined and have been using IRA ever since. And only in June of this year was I actually hired by IRA to become part of the, the hired team and the director of strategic sales. IRA indeed has been and will continue to be a service that provides information. So, for example, at a street corner, no one will tell you it's safe to cross the street. They will tell you, if you want that information, that they don't see any cars coming. The agents will tell you that, or the agents could even tell you the light's green, or you're facing straight across the street. But they're not going to tell you what to do, and they will not tell you what to do because that makes not only them liable, but that goes against the philosophy of IRA, which is really the more important thing uh, to mention. Larry Bach, who I mentioned earlier, actually passed away last year due to pancreatic cancer, which is a great loss to, to Ira. But it's, Ira's got a great team, a very dedicated team, and they're interested in making sure that they do what's necessary to provide the information we need, not help that we don't need. I agree with that. I think that as a service, what they provide is very helpful and, and can be very useful. But it is important, as you say, to make sure that they're not disrupting your standard orientation and mobility training and that the users of IRA, you know, are aware of that and understand that this is not meant to be a replacement for that. So, so that being said, then let's take a step back then. And for anybody out there who somehow possibly doesn't know how IRA works and and what it does do, uh, if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about what, what IRA can do a little bit more. Sure. And by the way, agents are not O and M people and they, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be O and M people. And so, um, even if you don't have any O&M training, it's not their job to fix that. Their job is to give you information, and you need to take the responsibility as the user of, of fixing that yourself if that's an issue. IRA is a system <laughs> that involves using smart glasses with a small high-resolution digital video camera on the glasses that can transmit video to some source. And in this case, the source is an agent uh, who is hired and trained by IRA to describe. They're not volunteers. They are specifically contract employees who are hired to actually give information. They're hired because they know how to describe. They've demonstrated an aptitude for it. And then before they're hired, they're, they're sent through a training course of 20 or 25 hours from IRA of what IRA expects and how they expect information to be provided. And then they also spend some time 
doing real jobs with people such as I to make sure that they are are doing a good job. So we actually put them to the test under pressure. And if they do well with all that, then they become hired as agents. Agents can be all around the country. All they need is a computer and a, um, a good high-speed internet. So the other part of IRA is a smartphone. You need to have a phone that kind of is the coordination or nexus of all the aspects of IRA from the standpoint of us, the user. What we do is when we're ready to use IRA is we go into an IRA app. We click on a button that says call agent or call IRA from glass, although you can also do it from your iPhone. The intent of using the glasses is that what you look at is what the agent sees. And we all tend to point in the direction of whatever it is that we're interested in focusing on. So call IRA from glass. The glasses are activated, the camera is activated, an audio call through your smartphone is made, and all links up through the system. The agent comes on, sees what you see through the glass, can hear you through your smartphone, and also the agents have a lot of other information. They have your GPS information is transmitted by the phone. That means that they can also see through their computer dashboard, a Google Maps representation and a Google Earth representation of where you are. So they not only see where you are, they know what's around you because Google gives them that information. They have access to the internet so they can, can help you with literally any task. This is not a travel tool as such. Yes, some people use it for travel. Uh, about 25% of the calls relate to travel, but mostly it's all sorts of things, anything that you can imagine. Well, I've used it to assemble products I bought through the mail. Someone wanted to go see their father at Arlington Seminary while back in Washington, D.C. for the National Federation of the Blind Washington Seminar earlier this year. She contacted an IRA agent. She knew where she needed to go, that is the grave number in, Ar in Arlington Cemetery, and this agent took her to see her father, who was buried in Arlington. Oh, wow. And then they took a tour around Arlington for a couple of hours, going to all the memorials and all that, because the agent had access to all of that information. It's all public and on the web on a, on a website, so that they can actually take a tour of Arlington. I use it when going through airports to find gates to go through baggage claim. I use it at the store, and other people use it at the store to find items and objects that we need so I can go to the store and find fat-free milk or I can go look at the vegetables and ask the agent to tell me what they look like. Um, agents don't give opinions. So if I want to know how good the strawberries are, I really need to ask some questions. Um, I can I can ask and agents will do their best to, to help. Gee, does this look good enough as, a, as far as a box of strawberries go that I ought to buy them? Do they have... I, hopefully they don't have white shoulders and, you know, whatever. Um, whatever the case is, whatever you need that has a visual content that is inaccessible to you, IRA will help you do. It is that simple. It's as imaginative a service as you want it to be. And that's been my experience in talking with folks at IRA uh, in my own training and experience and listening to other people talk about IRA, that they literally have done something as simple as, you know, reading their mail or, you know, reading something or finding something around the house, especially in the kitchen, all the way up to, like you said, navigating in airports or, uh, you know, going and doing something in travel and things like that. So, yeah, so far, the, it seems like the amount of things that could be done with IRA is, as you say, just as much as your imagination can think up. Uh, what would you say is probably maybe the most fantastic or kind of, you know, uh, you know, most interesting use of IRA that you've heard about so far? Well, the Arlington seminar, uh, Cemetery story is certainly one. People have taken IRA bowling, uh, gone shopping in malls, and gone to places like Victoria's Secret. I bought a new wallet earlier this year. I used IRA to, uh, to empty the old wallet, put things where I wanted in the new wallet, and throw away a bunch of stuff I didn't need anymore, making sure none of it was money. Um, it's, it is fascinating what, what people have done. Uh, one IRA explorer ran the Boston Marathon in part using IRA. It, it is going to go everywhere that any of us might want to take it. Um, and it will do literally anything that relates to providing information about a visual 
environment that we don't have access to. Um, by the way, one thing I, I didn't mention, the IRA system and the price for IRA includes all of the, the data that you use. You get a special hotspot with it so that you don't use up your phone's data for IRA. It really, though, can go anywhere and do anything that we might want to do. And it's going to get better over time. It won't be too long before IRA has in it the KNFB Reader Mobile. That was announced at the National Federation of the Blind Convention earlier this year, that the KNFB Reader Mobile will become part of it. IRA is spelled A-I-R-A, -A, and the A-I part is artificial intelligence. And we expect to see more artificial intelligence, more automated kinds of things as time goes on. That doesn't mean that agents are going to go away. And in fact, they will not. But if we can do some things more independently of agents and do them by instead using more automated or more technological kinds of things, then that's, that's a good thing. So reading, for example, if I can read something without having to use an agent and just be able to use the glasses and so on, that's great. If I can not do that, then I have the agents always to go back and rely on. And certainly there are a lot of other kinds of things that will come, object recognition, facial recognition, uh, more, more information, more ability to access uh, kinds of data that I don't today. Artificial intelligence is a growing field. It's been around a while, but it's really now starting to take off, and that will help us as well. To that point, then, about the growth of IRA and, uh, as you say, you know, being available as it is now and then growing to be you know, bigger and offer more things to, this, to the customers as a service, I know our friends around the world are very interested in IRA. Uh, people uh, in the UK and Canada are, are looking at America and, and saying, hey, you know, when's our turn? And I do know that I've heard uh, some IRA representatives talk about there is an interest in going worldwide with this. They're looking into getting agents and things. Uh, so if you could talk to me about the possibility of expansion for IRA outside of the United States and then follow up with that, if you could, about what the possibilities are for IRA going forward. Well, Certainly, anywhere that there is access to the internet, IRA can go. Uh, there is interest in going to other countries, to Canada, Australia, Great Britain, Europe, and so on. But remember, IRA as a company started in January of 19, or excuse me, of 2015, and is still very much a new company and needs to grow and develop infrastructure. There are a lot of aspects that need to be addressed when going to foreign countries, everything from the whole process of shipping, the process of dealing with taxes and, um, and how agents are paid. Will they be paid by IRA? Will they be paid by some other organization uh, wherever IRA is going to go? There are a lot of questions to be addressed. It's not a trivial process to just say, oh, let's just send stuff overseas sure, or, or even to Canada. So it's going to happen, but it is a process. And at the same time, IRA needs to grow and get a lot of users. It's really worked so far mostly through financing that it's received from venture capital and investors. But IRA has to quickly grow to be able to survive on its own as well. And there are a lot of ways that all of us as users can help. Um, the, there, are, there are four basic service plans for people who want to use IRA that range anywhere from $89 a month to $329 a month, which is pretty expensive. And a lot of people cannot necessarily afford that. Um, we already know in other countries, people who might want IRA are exploring the possibility of getting the assistance from charities or corporations who will help subsidize part of the cost of IRA. And so we ought to look at it here. There are Lions Clubs around the country. I bet that they would help sponsor individuals who might want access to IRA and maybe that they would pay a good portion of the cost. I'm not a fan of going to a Lions Club and saying, would you pay all of my cost to, to join IRA? I think it should be an equal partnership or some sort of partnership of stakeholders and, and Lions Clubs. But I think that we can all go find places that can help us pay for the service. Over time, will the cost come down? 
well, sure, as more users join and so on, there are other things that will happen that will help the costs of Viber go down. But it is where it is right now because it is a startup. It is a company that does need to survive. We, we do want to make IRA available to everyone. We're exploring how we can work with insurance companies, how we can work with the government. Uh, can in relay service money also pay for part of IRA? I think so, but that's a long process. None of that stuff is going to happen in a hurry. But IRA is here now, so we have to find immediate ways to address cost issues as well. Um, and as I said, users can help that as, as in terms of what they do by maybe exploring local clubs and local organizations that may help cover the costs. And I think that we'll find that there are a lot of ways that we can assist in, um, in what we do. I mean, my heavens, yesterday, ABC did a giving day to help uh, the people who are victims of Hurricane Harvey. Um, and they raised many millions of dollars to get assistance for the victims um, and the survivors of Harvey. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it's done for the right motivation and the right reason. Exactly. And likewise with IRA. Um, there's no reason that we can't find access to sources to help cover some of the costs and offset some of the, the price that it takes to run IRA. And that being said, I've actually spoken with officials from the Social Security Administration here in the United States who say that if you're someone who is blind and are receiving disability benefits, IRA can actually, the cost of IRA can actually be counted as a uh, work incentive uh, amount uh, so they could, you know, potentially help you stay under your substantial gainful activity amount uh, that people are familiar with, uh, with, with those who get social security checks. So it can be something that actually be factored into the, the cost of things that you need to go to work, to have a job and uh, potentially help keep you under that limit. So that is something else that people can keep in mind as well uh, for those that actually get uh, social security disability because of blindness. Um, sure. Well, outside of that, um, IRA is a is certainly a tax deductible cost for work and um, and for other things that we do. So certainly there there are a lot of ways that people can find to help offset the cost. But I think we, as blind people, need to to help be creative and make some of that happen. So we've talked about the path of IRA and where it's come, and like you talk about, it is generally fairly new and and a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of different things that IRA could still do going forward. And so um, we've talked about the price and, and everything else and the possibility of that coming down as more users come in. So as more users come in and as IRA continues to grow, what you touched on this a little bit before with the artificial intelligence, but talk with me about where IRA might want to go in the future. What, uh, what are the goals of IRA from now? The goals of IRA are to become a service that truly is available to all blind people. Um, IRA will work to find ways to enhance what the agents do through artificial intelligence, as I said, like facial recognition, like object recognition, like walking down the street and maybe giving more information about what's around just by letting the camera interact with different components of an artificial intelligence system, uh, which we call Chloe. And so, other, um, a lot of information will be available in, in more automated ways. So we're, we're pretty excited by the path that is offered through the use of more computers and so on. And, you know, one thing I should say, some people are going to say, well, gee, aren't there already iPhone apps and Android apps that people can use that are free or very low cost to do some of these same things? And, and the answer is no, because... Some of the apps where, for example, you can take a picture or a short video uh, and some volunteer up in the cloud will give you what's, uh, what's being displayed or what the camera is seeing. Uh, they won't work in a long-term environment like Ira, as I said, going through an airport, or I needed to take a few hours to actually label some DVDs that had print on the DVDs that even the KNFB reader wouldn't read. The agents could read them and I could braille them. Um, and, and Ira will spend whatever time we need to get the services done. And it's and IRA is um, involving agents that are specifically trained, whereas all these volunteers up in the cloud are not. So you get 
what you see in terms of working with those people, which may or may not be what you really want. And um, and in some cases, they go further and they do say, um, do this. And, and Ira will not tell you to do this. Ira will tell you, here's the information so that now you can decide how you want to do this. So there, there are differences like that that are extremely important. Ira will continue to grow and Ira will continue to um, make its service more available. Right now, the service is available 18 hours a day, seven days a week. It will go to 24-7 later this year, and it will do so because there is a demand for it. We're getting close to 1,000 users now. Our goal is to get to 2,000 users by the end of this year. So we're working really hard to try to get more people aware of what IRA is and how it works, and then, then hopefully they will sign on and that they will do some of the things I've suggested here, like find outside sources to help them make it possible to sign on. Ira is a great service for, for vendors in vending stand programs because it allows people to stock their own machines. It allows people to read their own information, to read checks, to look at mail, to look at um, inventory documents, to do whatever they need to do. Um, so vendors are a very likely and logical place for Ira to go for people who are on the job. And we'll see that with other places as well. Yeah, it's definitely, truly a personal assistant in the cloud. And I've gone on record many times saying that I've been very fascinated by Ira and very uh, impressed with Ira so far. Just the the abilities of the, the tr- or the abilities of the, the abilities of the agents who are helping you on the phone and just the structure of Ira and how uh, much they've listened to the community and, and really tried to provide the best service possible. Uh, as you talked about earlier in our conversation, making sure that this is not a replacement for your O&M training, and, and, but it is still a assistant that can be there when you need it to be for whatever you need. So again, I've been very impressed with Ira. I don't know the single person, quite honestly, that's had a bad experience so far. I've not talked to anybody yet that's had one. And uh, so I think that really goes to uh, show the, the quality that Ira has been focused on and what you've done uh, helping them out with this. So that all being said, Ira has... Ira has specifically, Ira has specifically been very wise in wanting to partner with blind people. So it partners with all of the major blindness organizations, and really takes uh, to heart information and comments that that the organizations provide, and it wants to continue to have those relationships. It listens to blind people. The staff listens to blind people and is learning a lot. The last time I saw this level of partnership was with Ray Kurzweil in developing the Kurzweil reading machine. Ray partnered with blind people and got a much better machine out of it that later became, of course, the premier app on smartphones. It is still the best OCR technology in the world. And and Ira will benefit greatly from being a partner with blind people, and we're pretty excited about that. One thing I wanted to mention, if people are more interested in learning about IRA, we're going to be holding a teleconference call on the 12th of September, Tuesday. That's uh, going to be Tuesday the 12th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 Mountain, 7 Central, 8 Eastern Time, 8 p.m. I want to give people the phone number because if you're not an IRA user, we want you to call in. This isn't a call for existing users to to answer technical questions and so on. This is going to be a call for users or for people who want to and have an interest in IRA. So they're welcome to dial into this call. And the phone number for the call is area code 605-468-5555. And the access code is 329-906, then dial pound. So, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I think that's really good news. That's going to be a great way to help those who still aren't sure if they you know, don't know if they want to take the plunge or not and, and, and start using IRA. I think something like that is, is very useful for those who just aren't sure yet and, uh, and want, to, want to get more information about IRA. <laughs> Sure. And we'll have an IRA agent on the call. We'll do a live demo. Um, So my plan is to have an agent. I will have glasses on and uh, 
probably, depending on where I do the call, which will probably be here in my office, uh, people will find out how messy my office really is. But <laughs> but um, we want people to, to learn about IRA. This will probably be the first of many such calls. We want to really give people an opportunity to understand fully what IRA is about. So again, that phone number is 605-408-8004. The access code is 329906, followed by the pound sign. If people have questions, they're also welcome to email me. And my email address is michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot Hingson, H-I-N-G-S-O-N, at ira, A-I-R-A dot I-O. So michael dot Hingson at ira dot I-O. Um, they're welcome to email me with questions, and I'll do my best to answer. Also, they can uh, people can go to the IRA website, www.ira.io, and uh, get more information about IRA there. You can also sign up immediately if you like what you heard on this podcast. By the way, there are no long-term contracts, so you can, can change, quit, up the plan or whatever at any time. So everything is located at www.aira.io slash plans and people can go learn about IRA and, and the costs and and, uh, and sign up. We hope that they will. But they can also, as I said, email me at michael.hingson at ira.io to ask questions or come to the call. That'll be kind of fun. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And, and I do encourage people, if nothing else, dial in, listen, send Michael your questions, or even just check out the IRA website. Uh, if you're not sure at all and, and you just want to to see what you know is possible and just read more about it, I encourage people to definitely look at it. Don't be too daunted by the price. Like Michael said, there are ways that you can maybe get help with that. Uh, and even if nothing else, just you know maybe give it a try for, for a month and see how you feel. Because uh, again, I do agree that over time, this is definitely going to become uh, something very important to the blind community. So that being said, then, Michael, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Life After Blindness podcast, sharing with me your information and insight into IRA. Uh, you've already given your contact information. Um, if uh, again, just in case people didn't catch it the first time, if people want to get in contact with you or IRA and sign up, how can they do that? Sure. So once again, people can email me at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot Hingson, H-I-N-G-S-O-N, at IRA, A-I-R-A dot I-O. The website is www.ira.io. dot I-O. There's a lot of information there. And of course, they can come on to the um, conference call and they can join us and learn about more um, of what IRA does in a real live conversation. The phone number is 605-468-8004, access code 329906, followed by the pound sign. That will be on the 12th of September at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Very good. Well, once again, Michael, I thank you so much for being on Life After Blindness, and uh, we'll talk to you with you again very soon. Glad to do it. Anytime. This concludes episode number 16 of the Life After Blindness podcast. I'd like to thank you very much for taking the time once again to listen to the podcast. I'd also like to thank my guests this week, Derek Daniel and Michael Hickson. I really appreciate their participation in this week's show. As always, you can get more information and links about today's episode by going to the show notes. You can find those by going to lifeafterblindness.com slash 16. That's lifeafterblindness.com slash 16. And if you have any comments or questions for me directly, please send your emails to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. Please join me again next week as together we continue our journey to find that there truly can be a life after blindness. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.